It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. I need to see a dog make a play. No puppies. I need a dog to make a play. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines as he does each and every week. I'm live at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. Damon Cotton back in the home studio. And, John, we appreciate you as always. We always talk all things NFL with you, but I got to start off with you, man. You announced your retirement on Thursday through the Houston Chronicle. You wrote a couple more pieces. How has retirement been, and how is John McClain Day today in Houston? I've got to tell you the truth, Q. Everything has been overwhelming since I wrote my first column. Thursday, uh, thanking people, and then uh, I got you in there, too, and I used your name, not just Q. And uh, I think it's just, I, I told people today, the mayor declared John McClain Day in Houston. I went to city council. Uh, they gave me a proclamation, a framed proclamation, and I just overwhelmed. I told people, if I'd known it was going to be like this, I would have retired sooner. <laughs> the only person that, seem, that doesn't seem happy for me is my wife, Carol, because she's worried about having to spend more time with me. She's so excited. She took off for Florida for two weeks. And uh, so the people have just been so nice. And the column I wrote Thursday, the column I wrote Sunday, they're still on the Chronicles website, Texas Sports Nation. The one I wrote Sunday was my 10 favorite stories out of my 47 years at the Chronicle, 45 and a half covering the NFL, I could have, geez, I could have had a hundred because they kept popping into my head. Q, I was able to do stories with Gordy Howe, George Hallis, Bobby Lane, Bill Beck, Joe Pushbaum from Pro Football Weekly. Went to his place in Brooklyn. I, I just, I just had an unbelievable career, and uh, the Chronicle and uh, my two radio stations. In Houston, KTRH, now Sports Radio 610, those two gave me a platform to write and talk about sports. And that's all I do anyway. Everybody listening to us right now would love to do what we do. And you know and I know talking about sports and getting paid for it is like stealing. Right. That's facts right there, John. No doubt about it. And I'm, I'm so blessed. I say it every day here on the radio. I'm blessed to be in the position I am. And uh, I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. When, I, when, when we talked about it on the radio about you retiring, we talked about it on Thursday when you announced it. I said, hey, I'm proud that John McClain is uh, someone I can call my friend. I mean, you, you are my friend, and, and I, I really do appreciate everything you've done for me and appreciate everything you provide for the radio station, all the insight you provide for the radio station each and every day, man. It, it's been awesome. So thank you, John. Q, that means so much to me, and I appreciate you saying so, and and uh, vice versa. I consider you a friend for a long time. Back when, uh, let's see, Carol and I, for years, came to Las Vegas uh, for the Final Four. We liked to go stay in the hotels, and uh, mainly Caesars, but we also moved around to the Wynn, the Bellagio, and we liked to watch in the sports books the men and women's Final Fours. I never bet. And she, she likes to bet when we're in Las Vegas. And we haven't been able to do it because of the pandemic. And she told me, when I told her I was going to retire, she said, well, one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to go start going back to Las Vegas. And I said, well, that's great because we got somebody out there that's going to pick up all our tabs. <laughs> and it's not, it's not DeMond. 
<laughs> I was. It's so funny you said that because I was about to say, yeah, Demond will do that for you, and then you 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 beat me to the punch, John. You know me too well. <laughs> wow, and I'm that not is kidding. We will be back out there. Nice. Well, hey, we'll open uh, we'll open up the doors and we'll roll out the red carpet for you and Carol when you guys get out here. We're so excited to to have you and uh, the the draft is coming here this year. We're excited about that. And I know you've covered drafts for many many of your years. What is it like for folks that don't know what it's like to cover a draft? What is it like to even be at an NFL draft? Well, I'll tell you, the first day of the draft, uh, I've always said, is like having your finger on the pulse of the nation. And I started going, it was at Madison Square Garden. And the way it was set up, on the floor, you had representatives of all the teams. Then you stepped up and you had a walkway where people could get down on the floor. And then you had teams that people had some rows reserved. And then you had the media. And above us were the fans. And the Jets and Giants fans, Eagles fans, they were hilarious. And I always thought the first day, back then they didn't do just one one round. And I had some unbelievable experiences there. And one of them in 1998, the way you got to the press conference, the player would get interviewed on the floor by the TV. And after he'd been shaking hands with Commissioner Paul Tagliabin, 98 Peyton Manning's first overall pick. So to get to the press room, you had to go through the teams. They're set up. You had to go through the media and through the fans. And I'll never forget Peyton Manning coming through, and the fans started chanting, Peyton sucks. Peyton sucks. Peyton sucks. And he just laughed his butt off. But the next year, they had a different way to the press room, and it was not through the fans. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. We're talking right now with John McClain for the Houston Chronicle here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, Damon Cotton, got one for you. Go ahead, Damon. All right, John. Like these are Now we're going to have a day where I'm just going to try to ask you some of the questions I've always wanted to ask. <laughs> Through your illustrious career, which athlete did you have the most fun or enjoy the most covering? Well, let's see. The one I had the most fun watching was Earl Campbell, Hall of Fame running back. Earl's first three years, 78, 79, and 80. They went to the the AFC Championship game the first two years where they lost at Pittsburgh. Third year, they lost at Oakland. Three years in a row, they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion. But watching Earl Campbell run against defensive stack to stop him, and he still led the league in rushing all three years, was phenomenal, watching some of his runs. When I go back to Canton, DeMond, I go into the film room where you can push a button and watch your favorite player. And I've watched a bunch of them because I've been to Canton probably 50 times, and I never get tired of pushing that button and watching Earl Campbell run over people or that famous run in 78-yard run, 77 yard run in 1978, his rookie year, around the corner to beat the Dolphins on Monday Night Football. And uh, and the one that I just, I guess, I, it's maybe it's because I still have a relationship with this guy. And he put out a tweet last week when I announced my retirement that caused me to get choked up. And I texted him and I thanked him, reminded me, him when we first met in 1983 when the Oilers were trying to sign him, 
and that'd be Warren Moon. Mm. Warren was a free agent coming from Canada. A bunch of teams warned him. It came down to Seattle and Houston. He had played at the University of Washington, MVP of the 78 Rose Bowl. But he and his agent, Lee Steinberg, who was just getting started in the business, determined he wasn't going to get to play quarterback in the NFL. You just didn't have many black players that got to do that. So he went to Canada. He won five championships, and his contract was up. He's a free agent really the first legitimate star free agent. And the Oilers got him by giving him the biggest contract in NFL history. Now, you guys sitting down, five yes. years, five million. Wow. And, and that was the biggest of Dan Marino signing the extension about a month later. But I went through the first, let's see, three, three years Warren was here. He just got pummeled. And then in 87, they opened it up. They had drafted Hall of Fame offensive linemen Mike Munchak and Bruce Matthews back-to-back. They had used first-round picks on offensive linemen three years in a row, and then they started going to playoffs, and they went seven years in a row. They ran the run and shoot, and they had the biggest chug job in history in Buffalo after the 92 season. Then they blew a game when Buddy Ryan was a defensive coordinator in 93, which is still the best team I've ever seen. They hadn't gone to a Super Bowl, but I covered so many ups and downs of Warren's, all his games, all his practices, his trade to Minnesota because they were scared of a newfangled salary cap and a new GM, Floyd Reese, who didn't understand it. So I would have to say of all the great players I've covered and a lot of them become friends with, I would say Warren Moon. John, people ask me all the time, you know, what is my favorite thing about the job? Or what have I done that is like that oh wow moment? And I haven't been covering the sports as, as long as you have at all. I mean, you know, you've been doing it for many, many moons. And it's always hard for me to come up with something that is just the best thing that's ever happened. But is there something that you look back at and, and are super proud of this certain accomplishment? Uh, well, this is a story in my, 19, in, in my Sunday column about greatest memories. And uh, if anybody wants to read it, they don't want to have to go behind their paywall, my new email is nfl at gmail. And I will send it to them because I'm really proud of it. It is long. And so in 1998, Don Hudson, a great receiver for the Packers, died. And I was looking through the original class, the Pro Football of Fame in 63, and I saw there was one survivor, Sammy Ball, Slayin' Sammy Ball, Redskins quarterback. And I knew he lived on a ranch in West Texas, and I knew he was old, and he didn't, nobody seen an interview with him forever. And I had a friend there named Cowboy Bill Lamza who told me one time he played dominoes with Sammy Ball. So I called him up, and I said, could you line up an interview, and the Chronicle will pay for you. And he did. And so... We flew to Lubbock, Texas, out in West Texas. We drove to Sammy Ball's ranch, where he'd been since the late 30s. He owned the bunch, but this one's at the base of the Triple Mountains, a lot of property, and he, he was 84, and he never went anywhere that he couldn't be back in his bed at night. And the Hall of Fame told me to tell him they would ship his bed on a train to Canton and let him sleep in it in Canton if he would come, but he said no. So I spent a night with him recording interviews with him talking about when his nickname Slingin' Sammy came from baseball, throwing a ball from third to first base when he played 
baseball TCU, and he was a great baseball player. And he played in the St. Louis Cardinals minor league system with guys who would become known as the gas house gang with the Cardinals. People could Google it, see what that is. And he told me while he was with that team, they would play another minor league team. This other team had a 17-year-old kid playing right field who was such an arrogant, he cussed like crazy. He's an arrogant SOB. Everybody on other teams wanted to kick his butt. And the manager, we said, why do you let this kid do these things? And here's what he would do. He would turn his back to the batter and dare him to hit the ball to right field. He'd take his glove off and put it in his back pocket and stand there with his arms folded, daring them to hit it to right field. And he would drop his glove and do jumping jacks, daring him to hit it to right field. But Ball said, you could hear the planks coming out of the fence before I could turn around at third base because he hit the ball so hard you could hang clothes on his line drives. And I said, did he ever amount to anything? And he started laughing. He said, yeah. That was Ted Williams. And so he told me all these great stories about the Redskins, the rules back then. Imagine today, Derek Carr throws a short pass, and Darren Waller on a tight end screen is weaving in and out for an 80-yard touchdown. But the defensive players can hit Derek Carr until the play's over. So the linemen are chasing Derek, and he's running all in the backfield, running toward the end zone just screaming for the whistle because they could still hit it. And he didn't have a little leather helmet on and no face mask. How's Derek Carr? How he'd like to play like that. But the best thing was we were leaving, and he was standing on his front porch, and I was standing next to him. I said, Sammy, why have you lived out here all these years? Why not move into town in Fort Worth or Sweetwater where he drove to play golf a lot 30 minutes away? And he said, because when I am out here, and I got to take a, a leak. That's not the word he is. <laughs> and I got to take a leak. I can do it right here off my porch anytime I want, and nobody's going to see me. He said, in fact, I got to take one right now. Want to join me? And I did. <laughs> and I guarantee you, nobody in history ever stood on Sandy Ball's porch and took a pee with him uh, but me. That's so awesome. Spending those two nights with him was just about, of all the things I did, going to Chicago with George Hallis, uh, Chicago with Bill Beck, uh, so many things I was able to do, the Super Bowls, the Pro Bowls. Being at Sandy Ball's Ranch in West Texas, the last surviving member of the Hall of Fame, that was the best. I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Damon, you say you got one more? Oh, yeah, John. I've just got to ask, what's the best event that you've been to live? Um, well, I wouldn't, I've, I've covered over 40 Super Bowls, and for the longest time, they were boring and lopsided. And uh, I would say these two things, and they're not football-related. One was covering a Final Four, mm. and when one of our guys got sick, and the other one was the Salt Lake City Olympics. I came to the Chronicle to cover the original Houston Arrows hockey team with Cordial, who had come out of retirement for the Detroit Red Wings, to play with his sons, Mark and Marty, when he was 44 years old. Well, that was unheard of. You know, you didn't see guy athletes playing till they're 40. But it, and it was a story that transcended sports. So I learned, I learned hockey from Gordy Howe. That's like learning the Bible from Jesus. So I started off with him, and I've always 
had a love for hockey, and so does my wife, Carol, who grew up with the Caps in D.C. So when the Winter Olympics were in Salt Lake, Chronicle sent eight people, and the boss calls, and he says, nobody wants to cover hockey. They don't know anything about it. Would you be interested? And I said, hell yeah. So every night, I would go to the arena, and I would cover games, and I would go stand in line listening to the Swedes, to the Russians, everybody, Ukrainians, everybody talked after their games. And then my boss said, here's where I want you to write another story and send it to a guy, guy named Joe Conway. I said, who's that? He said, he's our online editor. I said, what does online mean? He said, it's the thing we've got now called HoustonChronicle.com. It's a website. I said, what's a website? He said, look, just write the story and call this guy and send it to him. So every <laughs> night while everybody else was partying, I sent him that story. And I had so much fun doing that, hanging out with Wayne Gretzky and all these players that were just so phenomenal to watch. Came down, gold medal, Canada and the U.S. And even though I'm an American, that win meant so much more to Canada because hockey was so big. And I won an award for a little short story because we had to send something in every day like a postcard. So one night, I'm standing in my ski jacket at a urinal in the bathroom. And my phone rings. And I and a guy next to me, an Australian, say, want me to answer that, mate? And before I could answer, he reached, before I could say anything, he reached into my coat pocket, pulls it out, answers it, and goes, hello. And he says, uh, what's your name, mate? I said, John. He said, John, he's got his hands full right now. He said, uh, <laughs> can I take a message? And so they're like, who is this? He said, it's a long story. And then he hesitated, and he looked down, he goes, no, it's a short story. And then he said, let me get back to you. So he hangs up my phone, puts it in my pocket, and says, your boss wants you to call him. And so I did, and I wrote about it, and won a little award for it. Nice. And it was a long story. <laughs> I know that's right, John. Get a humble brag in there. I'm not mad at that at all. Hey, that's fantastic stuff. We definitely appreciate you. John, congratulations on your career. Congratulations on everything you've done. Uh, thank you again for being a friend, a mentor, somebody that I can always reach out to and pick your brain. I do appreciate that. Before we let you go, let everybody know that email address again because I'm sure you got some folks that are going to want to reach out to you. It's John.McClain, M-C-C-L-A-I-N, NFL at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Q. Thank you very much, Devon. And I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Absolutely. Thank you so much, John. We appreciate you. There he goes, the general right there, the Hall of Famer, retired now from the Houston Chronicle and has some fantastic stories for us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Great stuff. Plenty of time that he gave us there. More time than we even needed, but we definitely appreciate all that from the great John McClain. 322 is the time. We'll come back live at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Light us up! 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line 69187 keyword r I got some topics I'll hit you with when we come back, but uh, if you got something that you want to say, something that you want to share, let us know about it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. I get up out of bed fired up. Sometimes the wife's like, hey, man, calm it on down. You ain't on air. <laughs> it ain't always got to be shot. I just thought about you just waking up. Boom! <laughs> Scared the hell out of everybody. That's how you did. <laughs> Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q.
Many thanks to John McClain, the great John McClain, who joined us in the last segment to talk about retirement, talk about some of his greatest memories covering sports. 50-something years he's been covering sports. That's incredible. If I can have half that career, I've done great, in my opinion. Fantastic job from John McClain. Got a couple texts. Salmon Ash text sign 69187, keyword R&R, Raider Mike. Thank you for that interview, John McClain. It was incredibly funny. Iron always sharpens iron. He mentors you and you mentor them on. Keep up the great work, homie. So much greatness in y'all future. Got another text. That was awesome. I could listen to John McClain tell stories for hours. Damn, that was a great question, Damon. And that's the thing about it. When me and John first met, when I was still working at Central ESPN Central Texas, when we first met, what really got everything rolling and really got me so locked in on what John had to say is when he would tell a story, it's like I'm just sitting there. I'm not going anywhere. I had to sit there and listen. And the one opportunity that we had to really sit down at the at the – the Super Bowl radio row well before any of anything got started that week. We were trying to set up all the equipment on radio row and it was like the calm before the storm. We were done. We were about to go and do whatever, go have lunch, dinner, whatever the case may be. And I think it was, I want to say it was in Arizona. And I literally sat there for an extra hour and listened to him tell a story about radio, radio row and the Super Bowl and, and how fantastic it was. And that's when I knew that, Oh man, John's a dude. John's a dude. He's got some great stories. So uh, many thanks to John for for sharing that and and joining us on the show here each and every week. He doesn't have to do that, take his time uh, out of his busy day, but that's what he does now. Of course, he's retired now, and like he said, uh, his wife celebrated his retirement by leaving and going to Florida for a couple weeks. I can imagine that if I were to ever retire, which I know I won't, but if I ever were to, that's what my wife would do too. She'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm out of here. This dude is not going to be around the house harassing me all the time and bothering me and trying to – get me to do work and to do all, yeah she wouldn't she wouldn't have none of that so I'd she'd probably find me another job go work go do something you got to do something with yourself you can't be around the house all the time so anyway good stuff with him so I had a question had a couple questions thrown out there um on the, on the Raider Nation listener line also the Salmon Ash text line at 69187 keyword R&R wanted to get back to to the topic that we had. I actually had another one that I didn't even throw out there yet. How long does a Super Bowl win last for a fan base? You know, we talk about the Rams going all in, trying to win the the trophy, and they got it done. So how long does that win last until it wears off, until it's like, okay, you've got to get back there again. Okay, you've got to get back there again. Okay, the job's not done. Okay, it's been too long. How long does that Lombardi trophy last? How much shelf life does it have before the expectations are you got to get back there? And I, I know this. You want to win it every single year. There's no doubt about it. But that's so stinking hard. So stinking hard to even get back and, and repeat, let alone do it multiple times. That's why the Buffalo Bills back in the day, you got to give them a lot of credit. No matter what, they didn't, they didn't win the, the Lombardi. But to be there four times in a row is just incredible. You know, to have the, the skill set to be able to get there is, is just unbelievable. Now, of course, they probably would trade all four of those trips for one one victory. <laughs> you know, they'd probably say, hey, look, you can have three of these uh, three of these losses we took and just let us have one dub. I'm sure that they would take that. But that's what that's incredible that they were able to get all, uh, you know, get there four times. But what, what would you think, DeMond, like if if Tennessee had won this past year, how long for you realistically would that Lombardi really last before you're like, OK, 
That was cute and all, but now it's time to do it again. I'm going to say five years. Why? I'm going to say a five-year shelf life Why? because I'm just now just looked at the um, – I went to the Eagles page on Pro Football Reference, and they won it in 2017. Okay. And it's been four years now. They've got a new head coach. But at least five years so you can say, hey, we still have that Super Bowl. Because if you're – from fandom, I know the players, they want to get back in right. year for after sure. year after year. But for fandom, you got to enjoy it. Like we had the caller earlier that said Kurt Warner said, hey, man, I should have enjoyed the run. And that's just him saying the run and even making it to the Super Bowl. Right. So you've got to be able, as a fan, to just appreciate your team winning it because it is so hard to get those. Just to get one. Right. The teams that have multiple ones that have the dynasties, that's great and that's an incredible achievement on its own. But to just get one, you can't just go into the next season and, oh, you're losing the playoffs or you don't make the playoffs and say, oh, rebuild or, oh, the team sucks. No, no, no. And still enjoy that. Someone talks crap and their team has never won a Super Bowl. Hey, that was three years ago. Still, who cares? Still, <laughs> you got still it. don't have one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. No, that's, it got me thinking. I just, I just was wondering, you know, because and obviously the Raiders haven't hoisted a Lombardi in a very long time, and so uh, you know the next one is going to be the best one for sure. And I do think at some point they're going to be uh, hoisting that trophy, and I can't predict when it's going to be. If I could, everyone would, you know. Pay me millions of dollars and, and I'd be the guy. But uh, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you just can't predict those kind of things. But I just was wondering. It was just one of those, you know, one of those conversations like, okay, if you go win one like the Rams and you see what they did, they continue to build up their team. You know, they, they went out and got Bobby Wagner. They continue to say, basically, forget those draft picks. Let's just go in for right now and go in and, and, and try to, you know, make a run at the thing. You saw what Tampa Bay did. You know, Tampa Bay won it and they tried to make another run at it. Uh, the last season, it didn't, it didn't shake out that way. And now Brady's back, and so, hey, maybe maybe he makes another run at it or attempts to make another run at it, this time with Todd Bowles as the head coach instead of Bruce Arians. So, yeah, I was just kind of curious on, you know, what the shelf life is for, for, a, um, you know, for a Lombardi, how long until, okay, that was, that was cool and all, but now it's like it's, it's back to the drawing board. It's, 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 time to, it's time to make a deep run again. And I will I, say go ahead. 10 years, like let it go. Like Aaron Rodgers, because they won that in 2010. Or if people want right. to say Aaron Rodgers, he still has his one Super Bowl. If you want to talk about his Hall of Fame credentials, okay, good for him. But it's like Aaron Rodgers can still get it done. That was 10 years ago, bro. Get over it. Right. I mean, look, and, and you That's always. That's the statute of limitations where it's like, I don't want to hear about it anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, look, you always have the claim to fame like, hey, that was a that was a Super Bowl victory. You know, that that's great. But, no, you're right. When there's someone, and that's the knock. That's been the knock on Aaron Rodgers. As great as he is, we all know he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he literally has one ring. And I hate to sound like that guy, oh, he only has one ring, because there's guys that have no rings that would love to have one ring. But since he did it so early, and I guess this kind of goes maybe to the point of, um, you know, to, to whoever I was listening to earlier that said that the expectations would be too high and this, that, and the other, which I wasn't buying that. Uh, you know, but Aaron Rodgers did it, and he did it early. And so you would think that he should have the skill set and you would think that he'd have the team around him to get back, but it just again proves how hard it is to get back. So I don't want to hold only one, only one ring against him. But you would just think someone with that skill set uh, would have a, a, a you know more than just one. But then again, there's guys that are great that are Hall of Famers that don't have any. Seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Talk to our guy Fargo Raider. What's on your mind, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Kim Demon. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I do agree with him on on the five-year window. However, I'll say this. It could be extended or shortened depending on what the team is. I think it depends. If you're in the thick of things, you're sniffing the, the championship of the division, 
or making a good run in the playoffs, I think the fans will be forgiving of you not winning it in, let, let's say, like eight years. But on the contrary, if you win a Super Bowl and the next year you stink it up or the year after that, I think fans start getting amnesia and, you know, everybody starts clamoring for changes to be made. It's, the NFL is a very what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And I think that goes with the fans as well with the Super Bowl victories. Thank you guys for taking my call. You have a good one. There it is, man. Appreciate the call. Good stuff. And, yeah, I guess with every team it could be a little bit different based off of, you know, how long it's been, uh, you know, what were the uh, circumstances that, that, that uh, you know, led to winning the Super Bowl and where that team is headed the next year and, and if they're rebuilding, if they still have their quarterback, if they have their main squad still intact. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. There's no doubt. And, again, I think any team would appreciate one win. You know, I think every single team would sign up for winning the Super Bowl this upcoming year and then maybe take it a couple years off and not win it. I think everyone would be okay with that. But, again, I know that the expectations for teams are always to go and win each and every year. All right, so what's the shelf life for we made it to the Super Bowl? Like if a Bengal fan, like let's say Joe Burrow, you know, the next two years aren't as good, but he's still on the team. Could they say in like 2025, but, yo, we saw him do it once. What's the shelf life for but we made it there? No, that doesn't last very long. That 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 really sours really quickly. Uh, you know that the team, and and I'm glad you brought up the Bengals. That that's that's a good example because now their their expectations are that they're going to be one of the better teams in the in the division in the conference each and every year because they have such a young core. So you look at them like, okay, they're going to continue to build. They're going to get some offensive line help, and they're going to get them right back to where they need to be. They've tasted it. They want to win it. You know, and that's similar to. You know, going back to me as just a young fan of the Raiders, when they made it to the the playoffs, they made a deep run in the playoffs and then got knocked off. And then, you know, they get back to the playoffs and they make it to the Super Bowl and then they lose. You know what I thought after they took that L to Tampa Bay? All right, well, next year it's on. It's on and popping. It's on and popping. Going to get it this time. Ain't going to have to face uh, John Gruden next year. It's going to be all good. Well, there was no next year. You know, and and really, next year didn't come till 2016 when they made the playoffs again. Oh, that I got a good question for you then, because yeah. like next year after Tampa Bay, like, hey, right. yeah, we just gonna we're gonna get it next year. When did you realize that 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 bit of an error was over? Uh, immediately, what the next season, and and I think maybe Slow Jam James could help us when we we bring him up. Um, I think the next didn't the next season Rich Gannon get hurt. I want to say Rich Gannon got hurt. It, let's put it like this. I knew it was a wrap once Rich Gannon really got hurt. You knew that, oh, man, he's going to just continue to get hurt. I forget what it was, uh, who hurt his neck or what game it was that they hurt his neck. But when that happened, uh, you knew it was a wrap. So basically when the quarterback went down, like like say in the opener, when the quarterback goes down, he must go down hard. When Rich Gannon went down, it, you knew it was a wrap. And, and I know that next season wasn't that great anyway. But once once Gannon got hurt, it was like it, it, you knew kind of reality was going to kick in that they had to find the next guy. And look, there was a lot of guys that got trotted out there in that position to to be that quarterback, and just well, just weren't those guys, right? So uh, yeah, I, I think that the next year I realized pretty quickly, uh, you know, uh, when when that the, they weren't going to be that team, and almost like oh dang, that opportunity to win that Super Bowl has really kind of gone by the wayside, and that's. That's the worst feeling ever. When that feeling happens, it's like, oh, man. Then you know it's real, right? Let's see. Um, Rich Gannon played in eight games in 2003. and then Or seven games, sorry. Rick Meyer played in eight, and Marcus Tuyasasobo played in one. 
And then 2004, Rich Gannon only played in three. And that's when you really knew it was over. I mean, I, I think we already knew as fans that it was a wrap. But when he only played in three and you knew his career was over, uh, I think everyone, including myself, had all the faith in, in Gannon. And so when he wasn't around anymore, I think everyone, like Dr. Dre said, when Doc says it's a wrap, it's a wrap, I think everybody knew that at that point it was a wrap. Let's go out to uh, the Rare Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Slow Jam James. What's on your mind, my man? What's going on with you? What's happening? Oh, man, I'm chilling, chilling. Uh, yeah, so to answer that question for me, um, it it kind of wears off once your rival wins. So, you know, mm. it's great and everything when, when we win it, but as soon as, like, the Chiefs win it or the tra- – well, no, not the Chargers um, – or the Broncos <laughs> win it, um, then it's like, okay, it, it's our turn now because I can't – you know, my rival fan sit there and, and tweet at me or, or chat at me or text me or whatever, showing off their new shiny Lombardi trophy, right. and we don't have one to show off ourselves. So for me, it's, it's whenever the rival wins because now it's time for us to go back and get it. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. I guess that can kind of you you can uh, and thank you for the call. I think you could say that as well when it comes to you know some of your really good friends. If you're really good friends, uh, you know their team wins one, then you kind of you're looking at them like my buddy Corey. You know my best my best friend Corey. He's my guy. He uh, he's a Baltimore Ravens fan. I don't ask me why. Young man from Oakland, California is a Baltimore Ravens fan. That's a whole other conversation. But um, once they won, I was really angry. Like oh man. They can't, especially when they knocked the Raiders out. You know, when T- Tony Zaragoza had that flop, we were at that game. Corey included was at that game. He walked in with a Ravens jersey on and walked out with no shirt on because he had to get that off. They were gonna, they were gonna take him for his lunch money. But yeah, that so that that was bad. And then when they went to win the Super Bowl that year, uh, that really made me angry. And then of course when they beat the the Raven or the Ravens beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl in New Orleans, that was my first Super Bowl. Uh, being there at Radio Row, that was bad because I knew somewhere he was like, that's right, that's my team. So I think the more that your friends, their fan, their teams win Super Bowls, is the, the, the angrier that you get as a fan of another team, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know who, I don't, who's your rival, Damon? Or who's, who's, uh, who's Kayla's team? Uh, she doesn't have one. Oh okay. I mean, not not not, been, not that big of a sports fan, but I've because it's so weird about the AFC South that yes, the Texans are a bit of a rival, but Texans have never won none either. Right, right. And then the Colts, when Peyton Manning had his run, it was a rivalry, but it wasn't much because they were running the AFC South. Right. So they did. Just, yeah, with the AFC South, there aren't that many rivalries, but hey. The Texans, they can get it. It's on site. But you remember that fight with Andre Johnson and Cortland Finnegan? Yes, that was and that, awesome. And that was one of those fights where your boy's losing. Right. And it's just like, ooh, ooh, you get a couple in. But that was one moment where I had to give it to the Texans on that one because Andre Johnson gave him the work. Yeah, Andre Johnson <laughs> Johnson is the dude, man. He, he absolutely is a dude. Not mad at him at all. Uh, that was a fun one. Cortland Finnegan was a different kind of cat, man. He was a, he was a different kind of dude. He was a different breed of person. And going up against Andre Giants, Mr. Andre Giant, Andre Johnson, who played like Andre Giant, uh, that guy, man, he was always really quiet. You know, you didn't hear him bragging. You didn't see him, you know, being braggadocious. Uh, no, no big flexing when he came up with some big plays. But man, when he got into that fight with Finnegan, it was almost like it was almost like that kid that you get that you pick on at school, or that you probably picked on. I never picked on anybody at school. I was a good, good, good dude. But the guy that you know you picked on at school, and then finally he turned around and like 
slapped you across the face, almost Will Smith style, and then all of a sudden commenced to start beating your tail, and you're like, man, I don't even, I don't know where that came from. What happened? And everybody was on Andre Johnson's side because, like you said, it had to be. He must have said something to set him off because he would never. Right, exactly. He was a quiet dude, and Finnegan was that guy like a gnat just flying around your face, and you get irritated and waving at it, trying to wave it off and everything. And, and finally, at, at some point, he was like, you know what? Damn this gnat. I'm going to take this thing out. And that's what Andre Johnson did. That was a fantastic – that was one of the better uh, football fights because they're very rarely are they any good. That one – was a really good one. 3.43 is the time. We'll come back. We'll close up the shop. We are here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. We'll come back and pass the sticks to Vinny Bonsignor, who's going to hold you down for the next couple of hours in the huddle right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just got a few more minutes left in today's show. Then we'll pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. Right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I know he's got a lot of good stuff for you. Vinny's preparing for a vacation. Vinny is a vacation in full. I say that because he was in West Palm Beach, Florida, which is just about a vacation. I know he was working, though. Vinny was working his tail off as he was checking in with us on the daily. But if you're going to go work your tail off somewhere, West Palm Beach, Florida is not a bad place. Just throwing it out there. Got a few text messages at 69187, keyword R&R. Raider Al in Georgia hit me up. Derek Brooks hit Gannon. Heard it, uh, that, that made him suffer that neck injury. That's right. Got another text. Derek Brooks hurt Gannon. Appreciate you. Uh, got another text. Tuiasa Nogo. <laughs> That's uh, for Marcus's name. I thought he was going to be a player, man. I was excited by him until I wasn't. Uh, then we got a text. Q, I have a team. I'm a huge San Jose Sharks fan. Oh, wait. That's hockey. I love any team that wins. I'm a big University of Kansas fan after last night's big win. Momentum. Sincerely, Kayla. <laughs> Kayla makes another appearance on the show. Actually, I was from Sir Whiskey Ray. Shocking, right? But good good stuff right there. Damon in the home studios laughing. Hey, man, we got to get Kayla on the show at some point. I'm just saying. Uh, you, can't have this, uh, you can't have this person of interest without her being on the show. We can she's bring got, her in studio tomorrow. She's, I don't know about bringing her in studio, oh, but well, what's she, she's the, got a phone. What's the payoff? I mean, she's got a phone. I didn't know that there had to be a payoff. She can't just make an appearance? Come on, come on Q. Everything's wrestling. No, it's not. I mean, you know, you want the Are you pay- wrestling with Kayla? No, not at all. Uh, not at all. Just okay. a friend, as I've uh, said many times before. I, almost, almost caught you slipping on that one. Can I throw something in here? Yes, please do. Manti Teo. <laughs> I'm just wow. saying that'd be the biggest plot twist of all. I'm just saying. Hey, that's that could be true. <laughs> we gotta book Kayla for the show. She's gotta make an appearance on the show. All right, I'll I'll make a few te- <laughs> like it's so hard. Yeah, I'll text her tonight then. Two all right, two fifteen. I want her for the opening drive. <laughs> all right. Done deal. Kayla makes an appearance on the show tomorrow for the opening drive. Speaking of the phone lines, let's go out to it real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy right here in Vegas, Raider Joe. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Uh, how you doing, man? Q? I'm Thanks for taking my call, man. For sure. Hey, I'm the guy who won that uh, NASCAR ticket. I just want to give a shout-out to your uh, radio station and everything. We had a great time, man. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, I got a, de- a little dilemma. Okay. I'm preparing myself to go to the draft okay. with my friends. And last year, I bought uh, a number 11 jersey. 
And, uh, you know, he's got his name on the back. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I should spray the name with a... And uh, would I get... Do you think I'll get a feedback if I wear his shirt? I mean, because it cost me almost 200 bucks. Right. And, right. I mean, uh, is somebody going to wear the 11 this year so I can maybe... Or just uh, just put it away. What do you think, man? Hey, good call. Good call. Good question, my man. And look, this is just me. I can't answer for everybody. I uh, I can't answer for everybody. But my man is. I mean, he's still a, he's still a guy. He's still you know he's still a human. He's still these guys in the locker room's brothers. Um, we all know what happened. And and look again. This is just me. I know everyone can feel their their kind of way. Maybe some will, will take it as you know disrespectful, but. I mean, I think you could wear it. I think, you, and what we're talking about, for anyone who doesn't know, an eleven jersey obviously is Henry Ruggs. I did see. It's funny that he brought that up. I saw an eleven jersey yesterday uh, when I went to grab lunch, but it actually was Sebastian Janikowski. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think you could wear it. Okay, you know, I, I mean, seriously, I, I think so. But I, you know, that's that's just me. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And maybe maybe some some other folks could chime in and and give you their feedback as well. I like I said, I, I don't want to lead you down the wrong path, but I think it's okay. Again, it's just kind of it's kind of me going out spitballing. I know my guy Raider Allen Georgia actually has found a way to convert jerseys that he had old jerseys with uh names on it that he didn't want on it anymore and turned them into a different jerseys. So maybe that's a thought too. Maybe you can convert it into something. Um not that it's the same thing at all, but I've seen many people wear OJ jerseys, and we all know how that shook out. You know, so um, I don't know. I don't know, man. That's a good question. Like, I want to give you an answer that you can feel confident in, but I don't know if I even know the answer. Uh, we got a text on the Salmon Ash text line that said, buy a nameplate. Okay. There you go. There's a good answer. Buy a nameplate. Uh, Vinny, is he still in the studio? I'm here. What do you think? What, that's is a that, tough one, man. I, it I, is, I, huh? I, I was... Uh, I was feeling you kind of as you're trying to navigate that because there's no right answer and there's right. no wrong answer, I guess. Um, you know, and he is a human being and, and I'm sure he's going through it and there's obviously a whole other side to it. Right. Um, but, you know, um, I mean, he's part of the Raider family and Mark Davis even said that, that, you know, they're not going to forget him and once right. a Raider, always a Raider. So, um, you know, uh, I, would I probably not? I'm not a big Jersey guy to begin with, so that's a right. whole other whole, whole other issue. But I would never tell anybody, um, you know, to to just completely disregard that or throw him. It's like Derek Carr said, you know, um, he made a huge mistake. We all get that. There's yep. no, you know, getting around any of it. It's just a tragedy on so many different levels. But he also is a human being, and and you know, uh, he has a long life to live. And you want the best for everybody, including uh, Henry Ruggs. So, but it's just right. such a tough question. It is a tough question because it almost feels like you're like, hey, you're celebrating him, but right. you're not really celebrating him because look, my man invested two hundred dollars in uh, in that jersey. I'll say this, and then I'll, I'll move on. Uh, I have a tattoo on my neck that I live by each and every day, and I think that it it it, it kind of puts everything in perspective. And it's John eight seven. And for anyone who doesn't know what John eight seven is, is he who is without sin cast the first stone. And that's really how I've lived my life. Because yep. I know that I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. But I know damn well that you're not either. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so if you if you are, then feel free to judge me any day you want. And right. I'm fine with that. E- so exactly. That's all I can really ever live by. Damon, you said we got one more call. Let's go ahead and get one more, and then we'll go. We'll take a break. Go ahead. Dave B., you're up. Dave B., what up, dog? Hey, Q. Dave B., 757 here, my friend. Hey, appreciate you having me on. 
Hey, I wanted to share a little story uh, about John McClane. So, you know, as you've had him on, you know, through time, I'm typically in my evening routine out here on the West Coast, or uh, correction, on the East Coast, and I'll be listening to the show, and, you know, I'm house full of girls here, so I tell everyone, hey, 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 keep it down, and DeMond's going to appreciate this, keep it down, the diehard guy's on. <laughs> and as we know, you know, the right, John right. playing with Bruce Wilson's character in Die Hard. Yep. So as you hear me doing my stuff, you know, throughout the day, you know, you, you'll hear everyone, hey, keep it down. The, the Die Hard guy's on. The Die Hard guy's on. So it's just something I wanted to share there. You know, we're, we're blessed every time you can have him on. And, and I hope, you know, after the, the draft is up that you can have John on so we can get his insight on, on, uh, on how the draft went for us. Over oh, yeah. For sure, we definitely will, man. Thank you for that call. That's fantastic stuff. Great way to great way to close out the show, man. I do definitely uh, appreciate that. And uh, yeah, John John is fantastic. So yeah, he's not going anywhere as far as we're concerned. He's going to still join us each and every Tuesday. So definitely, he'll be talking about the draft, what he thinks the Raiders did, what he thinks the rest of the NFL did, and that's a cool story. And he hears that a lot about John McClain, uh, Bruce Willis, you know, and all that good stuff. Uh, tell you, man, that li- that dude's lived a hell of a life, and I'll say when it's all said and done for me, whenever that day comes, and when none of us ever have an idea when that's going to come, if I've had half the success that John McClain's had in this business, I'll be happy. I really will. So uh, he- he's he's a fantastic writer, been covering sports like a glove forever, and uh, opens a lot of doors for a lot of young guys. And if I could pay that that forward and help some guys, some young guys along as well, then uh, I feel like I'm doing my job. So, Vinny Bonsignor, he's always doing his job. He's up next, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. He's going to hold it down. He's got a lot for you. Light him up, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword r and I'll be back in the home studios tomorrow. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920.